Hey, it's Dr. Whitney. I'm an author, a coach, and a mama to two growing girls. Yep, I do it all. Well, actually, that's not true. I used to do it all. Now, I only really do the things that matter most to me. If that feels too good to be true, it's not. Here's the thing. Before I became a mom, I was totally thrilled with the idea of doing everything and being everything to everyone. I was told that if I just kept swimming, everything would work out fine. But I was dead wrong. Hustle culture, perfectionism, and the endless hamster wheel of work mom life weighed me down. That feeling of never giving enough but having absolutely no more to give brought me to my knees. My first daughter, who was diagnosed with autism this year, was an endless well of needs. My relationship with my husband was full of more resentment than love. Our second daughter felt left in the dust and told me one day she thought I didn't love her. But I couldn't get off the roller coaster of my working mom life. I was heartbroken, but I was also exhausted and hardly ever the joyful present mom or career woman I always thought I'd be. Making time for activities that fed my soul on a regular basis? <laughs> what time for that? And as a result, I wasn't as effective at my job. I didn't show up as my best self at the office. My performance suffered at home and at work. Do you identify with that? To feeling completely overwhelmed and overworked? To drowning in mental clutter and a sea of stress? To wishing you had more to give at the office and at home? That was me burnt out and ready to call it quits until I decided I couldn't juggle that demand, those heavy burdens of life, of motherhood in the workplace without a sustainable system I could use to get off and stay off the hamster wheel. So I created a framework that worked for me, but also for all the other caregivers I connect with in my clinic and online. And now I coach career-focused caregivers to organize their stress and clear their mental clutter so they can live purposeful, aligned lives. I help overwhelmed moms get off the work-life home hamster wheel so they can be the parents, partners, people, and professionals they always dreamed they'd be. Are you ready to live a more joyful, productive, and mentally uncluttered life? To give more without draining yourself? To spend your time, energy, and focus on what matters most to you so you can thrive and everyone around you can too? Then go to modernmommydoc.com and click on coaching so you can be part of the momversation. Welcome to the Modern Mommy Doc Podcast. I'm Dr. Whitney Caceres. I'm a full time pediatrician and a full time modern mom. I speak and write about equipping mamas to raise resilient, healthy children and to invest in their own social-emotional health along the way. Each week, we'll give you the practical tools you need to win at parenting without losing yourself. Hey, everybody. 
everybody. It's Dr. Whitney, and I'm so happy to be here with you today. I have Nicole Pounds from Dotcom Therapy. She's sitting with me, and we're going to talk about all things kids' mental health, which, as you all know, if you have been listening to this podcast for any length of time, is near and dear to my heart. I have anxiety. My husband has ADHD. My one daughter has autism. My youngest daughter has OCD. So we're like alphabet soup over here. And I have benefited personally from the help of therapists, personal therapists, from couples therapists, and also for therapists from for my kids. So I love what dot-com therapy is doing. And I invited Nicole on to talk about that, but also to talk about how to help families who are maybe struggling to find someone to go see for their kids, who are struggling maybe with trying to think like even outside the box of just traditional therapy, like what are the other things they need to be considering for their families? And then also if they've decided they want to do therapy, you know, via someone in their community, with someone at their primary care doctor, or with something like dot-com therapy, how to help their kids and then really make the most of the opportunity. So Nicole, welcome to the show. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. Yeah. All right. So start maybe with telling people you know, who you are, what dot-com therapy is all about, why you created this, why it felt like there was really a need in the marketplace. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So like Dr. Whitney said, my name is Nicole Pounds. I work for dot-com therapy. I've been with dot-com therapy since kind of really close to the inception of dot-com therapy. Our founder, Rachel Robinson, started dot-com therapy in 2015 as really a need-based company because she's a speech-language pathologist. I'm also a speech-language pathologist by trade. And as she was working with kids in clinics and hospitals, she realized that there were huge waiting lists in order to see a therapist. And so in order to address that need, she started Dotcom Therapy, which is a teletherapy company primarily. That's how it started to meet this need to get more access to therapy services because we know that those wait lists are incredibly long. So dot-com therapy provides speech therapy, occupational therapy, and mental health therapy. Obviously, with the parent with the pandemic, the last few years, we have seen an, a huge mental health crisis come about for kids and teens, especially really everyone, but you see this huge crisis when it comes to our kids. And so we've really stepped in to provide extra resources in mental health, the mental health space, especially. And so we partner primarily with school districts, but also employer organizations or other organizations, community-based organizations to be able to provide resources to families, including direct therapy services. So my personal role within the company is I'm the director of community and content. So I am one of the people who get to put together all of our programming and resources for families. And then, as I said, I am a speech therapist by trade. So I've also done a lot of direct therapy prior to moving into this role. Yeah, I'm also a parent of four. So I think that's relative to this conversation mm -hmm. today. My oldest two are adopted through the foster care system and have some special needs. My second child has autism and then my oldest has is pretty complex medically. And then also, I know you kind of mentioned sensory sensitivity, but he has a lot of sensory needs as well. So we're kind of navigating all of that as a family too. So topics like this are near and dear to my heart, just helping families 
find resources and get access to resources that they need. Yeah, totally. And I think, you know, one of the biggest things on my heart always is so many of the career focused women that I work with feel like it's all their fault. You know, they feel like they're failing every day. They feel like they're like trying their best and they're working so hard to make their families work and to make their jobs work and to make their homes work. And at the end of the day, they feel disappointed. They feel like resentful. They feel sad. They feel like it's not working. And so I'm really excited about resources like yours that hopefully help parents to work a little smarter, not harder at finding solutions for their families so that that way they don't feel like they're just like running on empty constantly, right? The goal is to find solutions that actually work for you, to find systems that actually work for you, not against you. So I love this. Now, you mentioned speech therapy, occupational therapy, and traditional mental health therapy, like psychotherapy. And so tell me about that, because of course, I mean, there was a need just for straight up mental therapy, but you guys really wanted to focus on something more holistic, kind of like a broader range of things. Talk to me and to people who maybe are listening who don't really understand what that's all about, like the why behind that, and then what that actually looks like for families. Absolutely. So when we're looking at a child, their needs are so holistic and everything sort of plays off of one another. So when you're looking at a child who has, you know, maybe they're struggling with something like anxiety, you really have to look at the root cause of what's causing that anxiety. And maybe that has something to do with the fact that they can't communicate appropriately, or maybe that has something to do with the fact that they are really sensitive to stimulation. And those three things that I just said include all three of those disciplines. So communication Mm -hmm. in the speech side, sensory sensitivity with OTs or occupational therapy and anxiety with mental health. And so everything is so connected when we're really looking at a person holistically. You, If you talk to some of our mental health therapists at .com, they'll talk about building blocks of self-care, building blocks of mental wellness. And often the things that they talk about are things like sleep, things like nutrition, these things that sometimes you would find and you would think of more as like a medical resource, Mm -hmm. but they affect your mental health so much. So everything within just being a human being is so interconnected. And so, yeah, we definitely have a heart to treat kids holistically and really focus on those developmental milestones, helping kids develop the areas of their life that they need help with. And we've just found that it's so interconnected. Yeah, for sure. You know, in medicine, we talk about this idea of genes plus environment. And there is some wiring that people have, right? There's wiring that I have that's passed down from generations of anxious women in my family. (laughs) That, Like, you know, I'm never going to get away from that. That's just like the way I'm wired. And like, actually, you know, there's some pieces of that that have made me very driven and and that have been helpful to me, right? And if I was living in like a caveman world, it would have been super helpful for me to be really anxious because it would have been on my toes constantly. In this world, like not as much, but still. So there's genes, but then there's also environment. And for me and my family, you guys can see me now. I'm in my office here. This is a new house that we just moved into. And I want to let you guys know about like a personal story. We had lived in a little like shoebox house for a very long time. And it was fine. Like no shade to shoebox houses. But we've been there for 12 years. And we had our dog. who's like a 40 pound dog. And then we had like one kid. And then we had another kid. And then it's Portland. So then you really can't be outside like most of the year because it's raining and whatnot. 
And over time, it made it really difficult actually for my kids who are both very sensory, like highly sensory seeking and also really sensitive to noise to be able to relax and be in their own spaces, right? Like someone would be loud, not even intentionally in a bad way, but just be kind of loud. And it would be really overwhelming. And you could see everybody kind of like wind up, myself included. And in this new home that we have, there's a bit more space. And I knew environmentally that everybody kind of having their like nook and cranny that they could retreat to. If someone was having a tantrum, my ability to pull that person over to someplace where nobody really could hear it very much, that that would be helpful for my entire family. Similarly, actually, we paired with another woman and her child who we've known for a long time. And they live in our in our basement now and they help to take care. And so we have the situation now where environmentally, I'm doing all the things that set us up for the most success. Environment's not going to change everything, right? If you never change like the thought patterns, if you don't address the speech issues or the sensory issues, it's not going to change everything. You can't just go on vacation and move to Hawaii and everything's going to be amazing, right? But I do think that environment that sleep, that nutrition, that exercise, that fresh air, like all those things, they make such a huge difference for parents, but also for kids. We can't minimize that. It's it's huge. So I love that you guys are focusing on that. Mm-hmm, absolutely. And I think, you know, when we really think about therapy at the root of what therapy is, is it's looking at a person and individualizing our care path for them and being able to address the things that that family needs. And yeah. Sometimes that is environment things. That's mm-hmm. things like finding social support. That's things like, you know, maybe it's removing things from your physical space, like you're talking about with your mm-hmm. family, being able to have a space where if a child's having a meltdown, you can remove that person. So I think environment is is very crucial when we're looking at a child's holistic wellness. And then when we are working with a therapist, they're able to say, okay, these are the other things that we need to teach them skills that they need to learn as far as whether it's in the mental health space, maybe that's skills of positive self-talk. Maybe that's Mm -hmm. implementing practices like meditation or positive affirmations, or like I mentioned, finding community or or social support, you know, maybe that's helping a parent learn how to emotionally regulate themselves to be able Mm -hmm. to help their child emotionally regulate themselves. And all of that feeds off of one another. I was talking with an OT one time on the podcast that I host, Helping Kids Thrive with.com. And the OT mentioned during our conversation that parents have sensory sensitivity too. And it was like this light bulb moment for me as a mom of like, Oh, no wonder I feel so overwhelmed all the time. <laughs> yes. I mean, 100%, like, think about all the touching our kids do yes. on us. Like, it's terrible. You know, my little one still has this like sensory thing where I write about it in my book. So I'm not like <laughs> divulging too many of our secrets. But like, you know, she wants to like still put her hand down <laughs> my shirt and she's too old for it. She's almost seven, right? So I'm like, oh my God. But like, even the act of me constantly like get off of me. That's so taxing to a parent. The overtouching, the smooching, the kissing, the smacking, that all the things that happen with a kid when you were a parent, not to even mention the yelling that kids do to each other, the squabbling, the whining, like all of those things, those build up for a parent too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Talk to me about this idea of some people, adults and kids, being highly sensitive because it's, I think some people can like just roll with it. 
like my friend, the one that lives with us, she's like, people will be screaming, yelling. She might get to her edge like once a year, but otherwise it's like, she's wired to not really care at all versus people start yelling and immediately my senses turn up. <laughs> yes. And I do think too, your past experiences, I think have a lot to do with how sensitive you are, because I feel like my sensitivity has increased as probably as I've added more children to my environment, really. <laughs> but yeah, so kids that are highly sensitive, or even just people in general who are highly sensitive, another kind of word or term for this is sensory processing sensitivity. So you'll hear from this sometimes from mental health professionals, like a psychologist, but you'll also hear from this in the occupational therapy space because occupational therapists, I think occupational therapy, in my opinion, is one of those areas of specialty that sometimes a lot of people don't know about, but they're so Mm -hmm. important because they deal with everything that is the day-to-day life of a child or a person. So when we think about occupations, it's not so much job-related necessarily, but just the tasks that you're doing on a day-to-day basis. So for a kid, that would be school, that would be cleaning your room or getting dressed, all of those kinds of things. So one of the things that occupational therapists work with a lot is sensory processing and helping kids be able to process this sensory stimulus that's in their environment. So when we're talking about a highly sensitive person, it really is a person who has just this personal disposition to being sensitive to subtleties in their environment. A lot of times they're overly aroused easily by external stimuli. So you'll find that a lot with people who are highly sensitive It's about 15 to 20% of the population kind of fall into this category. So it really is a a good chunk of people. And like you're saying, when you're a mom or a kid, especially if you have a lot of people in your family, this can be a really huge issue. And they are just more aware of subtleties. So if you're thinking, my oldest son, I classify him as being highly sensitive. And Mm -hmm. so being aware of even just small gestures of affection. But on the flip side, if I have a flicker of emotion because I'm upset, my son Mm -hmm. picks up on it. Yes. Yes. 100%. Like, (laughs) like it goes both ways. They're like highly attuned to you have a sad look on your face and they go, are you okay? Yeah. It's it's crazy. (laughs) And you're like, no, I didn't want you to know that I wasn't okay. (laughs) Please don't pick up on that. don't know this. Yeah. (laughs) Well, I was going to say too, like, What you were talking about with the idea of your past experience influences this. I mean, there is a trauma response that happens as well. So for the moms out there who maybe had a colicky baby or a baby who didn't sleep well, and like that trigger was that you heard them crying in the middle of the night, and then now you hear crying from your kid and that it really triggers you to feel like, oh, that brings me back to that moment when I didn't sleep and I felt so worried. Or maybe you have a kid who's in the middle of having a lot of meltdowns. And so now maybe that's passed and you're like, oh my gosh, every time now I hear somebody have a meltdown, it triggers me. Or maybe there's something in your own personal past, like your childhood, that something happened to you or you lived in a really conflictual household. So now when people yell or people fight or they even just raise their voice or they have a stern look on their face, that triggers you and you feel really sensitive. So all of these experiences accumulate. So if you're feeling like, gosh, I feel terrible that I'm this highly sensitive person, gosh, I need to just get it together. It might also be part of your learned experience and the way that your body and your nervous system tries to protect you 
because it's had these more traumatic experiences and it's trying to tell you like, we have to get out of this. This is dangerous for us. It's no good for us. Absolutely. Yeah. I love that you bring up that trauma response too, because I think that adds in and it's a whole other layer. And it goes back to what I was talking about earlier about how integrated everything is when we're talking about just the human experience, because I would say trauma is a different thing than being highly sensitive to external Mm -hmm. stimuli, but they go hand in hand. And if you've had Mm -hmm. some kind of traumatic experience, which by the way, childbirth can be incredibly traumatic. So if you're, Mm -hmm. you know, a person who's dealing with that, my heart is with you. But, you know, if you've had these traumatic experiences in your life, and then you're also this highly sensitive person who has all of this external stimuli in your life, that those two things can together can just create this sort of internal storm. Yeah, for sure. Mama, it is here and available for download. It's the new Modern Mamas Club app. We are so ready to join you on your personal journey from conflicted to centered. We want to take you on an evidence-based path from feeling conflicted all the time, from feeling pulled in all kinds of directions, from feeling burnt out to feeling really purposeful and aligned. As you move through your working motherhood experience, no matter what is happening around you. So go check it out in the app store. Okay. Talk to me about the therapy part because, you know, you guys are providing, I'm assuming mostly online, virtual mental therapy and occupational speech, right? Okay. So talk to me about kids, obviously, because it's called thought.com therapy. Talk to me about parents who are trying to get their kids motivated to come to the sessions, parents who are trying to get their kids to be more engaged in the sessions, because that can be really difficult too. Like you're sitting here with the computer open, you paid the money, you want your child to participate and they're walking out of the room. So (laughs) talk talk to me about that. Like, how do we make this successful for parents when, and for kids, when they're trying to engage in these sessions? Yes, absolutely. So I'm I'm glad that you asked this question. So yes, dot-com therapy does provide all teletherapy sessions. So we actually don't have any brick and mortar, you know, space. Mm-hmm. So everything we do is is via teletherapy. And kind of our goal is really to work with families in that direct therapy space, but then also we just want to support families holistically. So providing resources and training for families, providing support via parent coaching and working with families that way. I think those ways are also very supportive of families, which is mm-hmm. is great. When we're talking about like a teletherapy spe- session, especially, I think that it's interesting that you bring up this conversation because it can be an issue. And I think when we're talking about teletherapy for families, sometimes families get this, they get concerned about how it will work. Will it be engaging for their kids? Will this be something that they will like to do? And I am a teletherapist and have been a teletherapist for several years. So I've sat on this side of the computer giving teletherapy, but I also have been the recipient of teletherapy personally and for my child. So my kids received occupational therapy via via telemedicine. And so I've kind of sat on the parent side of things too. So I love this conversation. 
I think that number one, you need to find the right therapist and the right company to work with because really teletherapy can be so engaging. It doesn't have to be you know, something that's boring or hard, but I I feel like, especially when we went through the pandemic, all the schools went online, everybody was pivoting to teletherapy all of a sudden. There were a lot of therapists possibly, you know, that a family maybe had interactions with. I know we had some of our therapists that worked for, you know, like the school district that were suddenly pivoting to this. And some of them pivoted very well mm-hmm. and did a great job. And then some of them really, it was obvious they didn't want to be providing teletherapy. It's just some some people like it, some people don't. And it's not for every therapist. And it's also not for every child. But if you are working with the right person, it can be engaging and it can, it should be engaging. And that can be via the activities that are happening via the screen. So things like games online or flashcards online, even just the therapist holding up a book and working through your kids' emotions with that. All of those kinds of things are techniques that you can use, but it can also be really engaging physically. And I always encourage therapists to include movement when they can. So I want families to know that it doesn't have to look like your child sitting at a table with a therapist. They can Absolutely. We had our therapist. I used to run around with my, you know, cell phone, like tracking them as they did obstacle courses in our house that we set up Mm -hmm. and they would, you know, go over the pillow forts and all kinds of things. So there's all kinds of ways that you can use teletherapy. So I think having the right therapist that's engaging and that's working with you and making this an individual experience for your child is important. So depending on their goals, that will look obviously different, but depending on what they're looking at and the age of your child, if you're, you know, if you're working with a teen, you might not be making a pillow for. So I think the age of your child makes a big difference too. But finding the right therapist and, and really engaging your child in an individualized manner, I think is important. You can also you know, do things like finding a quiet space for them to work with, a separate room. Anytime that the parent can be there, especially if you're working with a young child, if you're if you're if your child is an adolescent and they're doing mental health therapy, that might not be as appropriate. Yeah, yeah. Especially young kids. It's lovely if a parent can be there just facilitating things, helping redirect their behavior, but also learning from the therapist. I absolutely actually prefer doing teletherapy with my kids, my personal kids, not my therapy kids. (laughs) Um, Because as a parent, I find it so empowering to be able to see what the therapist is doing, how they're cueing my kids, what they're working on every single session versus going to a clinic where sometimes clinics will have that parent interaction. And if they do, that's amazing. But sometimes they just want to take your kid back to the room and you sit in the waiting room waiting, and then you don't even really know how to help your kid once they get home. So I think having that interaction with the teletherapist right there in your home is so crucial and important and empowering as a parent. And because it happens in the home environment, if it's happening at home, I know sometimes teletherapy also happens in a school setting, but if it's happening in a home environment, I think there's something extra special about that because it's that child's safe place. They are naturally more comfortable in that space. They naturally are more aware of the things and just familiar with the things that are in their environment, which I think makes a difference. And then when you're working on things like, for example, if you're working 
with like a picky eater, something like that. They can sit at their own table. They can eat their own food. They can, you know, be with their parents who are, that's who's going to be sitting at the dinner table. So it makes a lot of sense, especially in certain situations and working on certain things. I just personally really love that because I think it's very empowering for families to be able to be involved in their kids therapy like that. Yeah, I think so too. You know, I think the other thing for working parents is just the travel time, like cutting down on, you don't have to take your kids out of school for as long. You don't have to like travel to an office. You don't have to make sure that you're there 20 minutes early so that that way then you'd like, you know, don't miss the appointment. It's so much simpler to jump on a Zoom, even on your phone or on your computer if you need to, you know, for, I could see that in terms of being able to see the screen a little bit better for your kiddo. Mm -hmm. Yes. That has been amazing for me as a pediatrician to be able to have more telehealth visits and also for the therapist in my office. But I also love this idea just for more access also for people who maybe live in a community where they don't have behavioral health you know, providers really available. They don't have occupational therapy. It would take forever to get into speech. Like those, those types of, of issues are really a big thing too. So tell me in terms of access for you all, is it with insurance? Is it pay out of pocket? Is there, are there super long wait lists? Like talk about that piece of it so that people, if they're getting excited right now, like, oh my gosh, there's a resource with actual people that know what they're talking about online. <laughs> yes, yes. Yeah. So I, and I love that you bring that up. I actually feel like I forgot like the most practical reasons why teletherapy is, is important. Yes. Being able to cut out that commute is huge. Save time. Being able to even like step out of the room and, you know, mm-hmm. toss clothes in the laundry while your kid's having a therapy session is huge. Yes. So as in terms of access, I think that this is a, a huge reason that teletherapy is so important and is such a great resource for families because like I mentioned earlier, there is really big, there are really big wait lists, especially for certain areas of specialty when we're talking through ther- different kinds of therapy. And not all therapists are cut from the same cloth. You know what I mean? Some therapists have more experience in a specific area or they have a certain an additional certification or additional training in a specific area. And so being able to match with therapists that are have an extra expertise in what your child needs is also mm-hmm. incredibly important. So I can speak kind of from dot-com therapy. Uh, Really, the questions that you're asking about like wait time and do we take insurance and those kinds of things, those are going to vary depending on the teletherapy company that you're working with. Mm -hmm. At dot-com therapy, we do, we are matched with the insurance companies. So we do Mm -hmm. accept some forms of insurance. Obviously, we're not in network for all insurance as is no one, but we're continually adding to that list. And so we do accept insurance or you can pay out of pocket if it's something that, you know, we are out of network or that works better for your family for some reason. We also are, have been working on kind of a new model. We're moving into providing a mental health therapy kind of on a wider basis across school districts. So we actually right now are partnering with school districts 
And the school district is saying, hey, we recognize that mental health is a priority for our kids and our families, and it needs to be a priority, but we Mm -hmm. need help being able to provide that therapy service. So they are agreeing to pay for, you know, X amount of services, uh, X amount of therapy sessions for all of the students in their district. So some schools that we're partnering even with even are providing that access to care, which is really cool. cool. To see just that holistic, that school district kind of come behind saying, hey, this is important. We want to provide access to this. So being able to work with school districts in that way, and then also working with, then we have access to the families, all all of the families. It's not just kids on an IEP or kids that have been identified as having behavior problems or something like that. This Mm -hmm. can be for all kids, which is really cool in a district. So there is some, I won't get into like the nitty gritty of licensure yeah. and all of those things, but we work with school districts and families and employers or organizations across the country. So we have therapists that are licensed kind of all over the place. So it will vary a little bit depending on where you're located, who, which therapist from .com you'd be able to work with because they have to be yeah. licensed in that state, of course. But yeah, we, we service the, the whole, the whole across the nation. Yeah. Awesome. You guys, I know that there are so many of you that are out there like, oh, I can't believe this resource is there and that I could potentially have my child meet with someone, you know, sooner than later. It, I sit there in my office and give people referrals like, here's a name in the community. Here's a name in the community. Here's a name in the community. And mm-hmm. more often than not, they come back like, well, they said they were full. Well, they said it's like yes. a one-year wait list. And so to be able to have a larger, like, network, I think, for people to consider accessing in a way that is more approachable for people is amazing. I'm sure you're not the end-all be-all or the solution for every single family, but this type of solution, I know, is the wave of the future and is so helpful for families, especially since you're also holistic. I wanted to point people to to you guys have a blog that is about highly sensitive kids on your website at .com therapy. And also they can find out more about resources there. Is there another way they could access you any place else that they should be listening? You mentioned your podcast. I just want people to have all the cool resources about taking care of their kids and themselves. Absolutely. So yeah, the main place to find us is .comtherapy.com. That's our website. Like you said, we have a blog, we have parent resources on there, all the information about how to partner with us, especially for like schools and organizations. And yes, we do have a podcast. It's called Helping Kids Thrive. You can find us anywhere that you find podcasts. So Spotify, Apple Podcasts, all of those. Or you can find us on on the website too. There's links to our podcast there too. And we do a podcast every other week. I actually host that podcast and we interview some expert in the field. So Mm -hmm. it's usually on a topic of child development, mental wellness, you know, sensory sensitivity, all these kinds of things we talk about on the podcast, communication disorders, developmental milestones, anything that, you know, in that, in that area, parenting resource space. So yeah, those are great ways to find us. Awesome. Nicole, I love it. Thank you so much for being here. I know there are parents out there feeling so much more hopeful. You guys, again, Nicole Pounds from .com therapy, and we'll see you next time. Thanks, Nicole. Thank you. Hey, mama. If you want more of the Modern Mommy Doc podcast, make sure that you click subscribe so you don't miss any episodes. 
We'd also be so honored if you shared with your friends and on social media with the hashtag Modern Mommy Doc. If you share about something that inspired you or that you learned from the podcast, we'll be sure to share it on our social media as well. Thanks for listening.